All right, today on the podcast, I've got Will Frogley. Will's the CEO of the Master Builders SA and also, among other things, the host of the Building Perspective podcast. Will, thanks for joining me. Hey, Matt, it's great to be on your podcast, mate, and congratulations, it's going really well. Thank you, mate. You started the whole, I guess, actually, you started my whole podcast journey, mate, so I've got to give you thanks for that, so... Yeah, well, I think it's, um, it's, I think your situation is pretty similar to mine when I was a guest on someone else's podcast and I saw the setup mm. and I thought, gee, we should do this for ourselves. So, mm. Well, can you maybe, just for background, can you just go maybe a little bit about your early career and how you started as a journalist and then I guess what, how you landed in the CEO role of the Master Builders? Yeah, no worries, Matt. So I actually started on a very different trajectory to where I, I currently am. And uh, I think much like yourself, um, some people had other ideas of what I, they thought I should do. Um, and when I was in high school, uh, there was a big push from uh, my teachers. My grades were pretty good. So there was a big push from them to study law. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought that's, you know, what people sh- expect me to do and my yep. marks should make me want to go down this path. Mm-hmm. So I finished year 12 with a, a pretty good result. Um, and I was actually enrolled to study law at uni. And uh, from the time I finished year 12 to when I was meant to start uni, I actually got called up for jury duty. Ah. And I thought, oh, this will be pretty good. You know, I'll get a taste of what my future work's going to look like. Uh, and uh, I went in there and I absolutely hated it. <laughs> I saw a, a lawyer defending who was someone who was clearly a scumbag mm. <laughs> for uh, no better term. And I just thought, wow, I don't want to spend my time um, in this environment, this is definitely not for me. Yep. So even though I'm enrolled to start at uni, I'm going to change tack. So I've always been very interested in in what happens in the news cycle mm-hmm. and, and what's in the media. Uh, so I thought oh, I'm a pretty good writer. I'll, I'll do journalism. So I studied journalism at UniSA. And while I was studying at UniSA, I was working at Westpac at night in their mortgage team. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was really good because you got paid extra for working at the five o'clock. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that was really good. Yeah. Um, uh, but to be honest, where I really got going with my career is when I did a, I approached Channel 9 to do an internship there because one of my good mates, James Coventry, is a, a reporter journalist with ABC. Mm-hmm. Uh, now he's a producer in sport. And he said to me, well, if you want to get your foot in the door, you've got to do some unpaid work, which is true. Mm-hmm. There's not many jobs, especially not now in journalism. So I did an internship in there and it was everything from reporting, uh, doing a few stories to uh, learning how to use the uh, the, the camera yep. equipment and the editing software, mm. which was, was really good, which I enjoyed. And then through that job, I uh, got a, a position at Port Lincoln with GTSB Can, which unfortunately is no longer around. Oh, no. But uh, devil about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was it was definitely it was owned by Channel Nine at the time. It was like the regional network. So there was a journal in Port Lincoln, one in Port Augusta, one in Whaler, Broken Hill, etc. Mm. And it it's launched a lot of careers in in media. A lot of people who are on Channel Ten, Nine, Seven, etc. Right around the country now started through that program. So it's mm-hmm. it's, it's really sad to see it go. But uh, but yeah, basically we all had an office that we're in and we had to, uh, it was news on an absolute shoestring, right? So you had not one of those really crappy old handy cams <laughs> and you yeah. had to, you had to file two stories every day and, you know, report, edit it, use the editing software and, and send it via the link up to the head studio. Mm. And if there was a big studio, uh, sorry, if there was a big story that broke, uh, that was going to get national or state coverage, you had to send it through to the studio in channel nine in Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when there were big bushfires and stuff on like that, I was on the current affair and stuff like that. But it was, 
yeah, it was on an absolute shoestring. Uh, <laughs> and if you uh, if there was someone was sick or on leave, you had to might have to do three stories a day. But it was it was it bred really good habits because mm. you were just chucked in the deep end straight away, and you had deadlines, daily deadlines, which were non negotiable. You just had yeah. to meet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, so it was a really good, um, I guess, proving ground and training ground. Mm-hmm. And probably the biggest thing that. Uh, dropped when I was out there is the Black Tuesday bushfires, which caused a lot of damage and, and took a few lives. And there was no one, uh, I was the only journey in, in Port Lincoln. No one could fly in because the, the flames were too close to the airport and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I ended up being the only journey on the ground, having to do all the reporting, the live crosses with the current affair and, and all that type of thing within a couple of months on the job. Yeah. And some of the things that were going on there, I, I look back at now and I just can't believe I was being a young bloke is stupid. Mm. But I remember, you know, because I had to film, oh, there's bushfire, like, you know, I better go out and get some footage, jump in the car, burn out there, just not really having an appreciation for how quickly flames can oh, move and, and how quickly you can get in serious yeah. serious trouble. So, uh, you know, I got out of range. Um, I was out of range phone reception coverage when I was out filming and people were desperately trying to call me, couldn't get hold of me. They thought I was cactus. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so were you setting the camera up on like a tripod yeah. to film yourself? And then also uh, that, filming how, the footage. Yeah, I was filming all the actual footage uh, with the tripod. Yeah, you had to your pieces to camera. You had to flip and line yourself up. And, oh, really? And yeah, the crappy old candy cam and the the microphone was often broken, so you had to shoot with a natural sound. And put like it's a very windy place, <laughs> yeah. and you do a lot of outdoor stories. So yeah. I was always trying to, you know, getting onto the head office saying, "Oh, can I get a new microphone?" Oh, like you know. Mm. Maybe in a couple of months, and, you know, so it was, it was absolutely on a shoestring, but it was really good experience as well. Mm. And through that job, I had to view, interview a lot of the the uh, politicians mm-hmm. and when they came to Port Lincoln, which they did quite a bit, and even after the bushfires and stuff. Yep. And one of them offered me a job, uh, which was Rob completely unexpected. It was another Liberal MP okay. that started. And um, and basically, it was a, like a policy media advisor job. Mm-hmm. So I'd never really thought of of going down that path, but it was a good opportunity for me. So I yep. uh, took that up. And where I've started getting connected with the building industry is really when I was working for Rob. So mm-hmm. uh, basically my area was um, all interactions with industry associations yep. <laughs> with, with, where they were lobbying for stuff. And any law change uh, that was going or current law that was existing in the building and construction industry, that was my area that I was responsible for. So. Mm-hmm. Could have been anything from work health safety laws to security of payment laws or you know, building work contractors act anything like that was my area so uh you know mm-hmm. master builders master plumbers yeah uh, etc whoever it was they're always on the phone and coming in to see me and my boss mm-hmm. uh, to lobby for their members and i always liked my interactions with master builders uh i like the they're quite ca- good characters <laughs> mm-hmm. so you know that They'd, they'd you know, thump the desk in the meeting and say, this is going to be a disaster for the industry. And they're really passionate. So I always enjoyed my interactions with, with master builders in particular. I met with quite a few of them dating back to when Rob Stewart was in the chair and John Stokes. But the uh, mm-hmm. the real character I found down there, he's a bit of a polarizing character, but I've got a lot of time for him. He's uh, Ian Marcos, who's yep. the CEO. Yep. Um, always had a good rapport with Ian. Uh, you know, and I talk to him pretty much every week. You know, uh, because there's always something goes, you know, going on in the building industry that's affecting people. Mm. And then, yeah, he was, uh, he called me up one day and said, I've, I've got a job as a, you know, head of policy and communications and media for master builders. Are you interested? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I always thought that 
if an opportunity came up to work for MBA, I'd, I'd definitely be interested because mm -hmm. I, I like the work. And as you know, I, I love the fact that building construction is such a big chunk of the economy and yeah. it employs so many people. And it's, you know, I just like seeing what all the members build and stuff as well. Like mm -hmm. it's just so important. And also I like, if I'm being honest, I like the fact that our industry is not too completely correct yet. Yep. We yep. still be one of the last industries where you can still get characters and people can take their selves, uh, take their work seriously, but not necessarily themselves mm. too seriously. Mm -hmm. And I, I really like that. So I came across, mm -hmm. uh, head up MBA's uh, policy and media and communications for about four years. Um, and then Ian retired at the end of 2020. And yep. uh, I got promoted. So I've been CEO for nearly three years now. And that's right, gone bloody right quickly. When COVID, right when COVID kicked off. Yeah, yeah. yeah so you, so you yeah. said that um, the building into construction is such an important part of the economy. Yeah. Can you explain why that is, like the statistics around yeah. that, why it is so important? Yeah, well, number one is it employs so many people. So there's about 80,000 South Australians who are directly employed in construction. So that's a huge chunk. And we do about $16 billion of work every year. So... Mm. You know, that's uh, and and the other thing. So the, those numbers are big, but then also you're talking about how one industry can benefit the whole of the state and the wider economy. It's called the economic multiplier effect. So that's for every dollar that gets spent in construction, how many goes out to the the wider economy. Mm -hmm. And uh, the ABS put out some stats around that. And out of all industries, residential buildings the second has the second highest uh, economic multiplier and um, non-residential buildings third. So mm -hmm. Bottom line is if construction industry is strong, it's a really good chance that the whole economy is going to be strong as well. And that just flows right through the whole yeah. a, a state. And it's in everyone's interest to, to have that strong building construction yep. industry. And um, uh, that, that's why I'm really passionate about what I do because I know if I'm getting some good results to help people in the building construction industry, a lot of people are going to benefit from that. Mm. Can you? Yeah, that is, that's, that's so cool. Can you let us know a bit about I want to touch on some of the more specific programs yeah. you guys have, but for, for especially because we've got young kids who listen to this, up and coming you know, tradies and that, um, guys want to start their own business as well. What a lot of them wouldn't even know what the Master Builders Association does essentially. So, can you just let us know basically what your role is within the building industry and then what yeah. you do for the members? Sure. So, we, we really, what we see ourselves, mate, is the home of building construction in South Australia. So, we represent the whole industry, so whether it's big, small, residential, commercial, subcontractor, whatever it might be, suppliers, um, that we've got membership in, in everything. Mm -hmm. um, and where people see us is usually in the media where we're lobbying uh, the government to get a better um, environment for people yeah. to do business in. But, but first and foremost, I think we're really a training provider. So we have an apprenticeship program where we're employing about 200 apprentices Mm -hmm. That's really getting them started in the industry, uh, getting their, their foot in the door. But also, you know, training, just everything from helping people get their builder's license to upskilling them through, you know, it might be waterproof training or whatever it is mm -hmm. and helping them set up their own business and get started. And then uh, we've got services, you know, legal service, uh, return to work service, uh, you know, safety, industrial relations. Uh, we've got, we've got to cover yeah. whatever it is. And then there's a whole heap of uh, benefits for being a member as well. You know, you can save quite a lot of money off a new vehicle and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. a lot of our members, depending on, and not everyone pays the same fee, it depends how big your, your business is and such. But for a lot of the members, how much they could save on, say, a new Hilux might be yeah. three years membership. Yeah. 
So it's, it, it pays to be a member. Mm -hmm. Um, and basically we're there to help them with whatever they need. Yep. And it comes out a lot. We need the info from the members. So we're always encouraging, what do you need help with? Uh, because if we don't know, we can't help you. And what's, how many members roughly is there in SA? Where we're starting know? to push 3000 businesses. Yep. So we're, we're a very large industry association and we've been around for a very long time, been around since 1884, believe it or not. So oh, wow. coming up to 140 years. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Can you give us a, there's been a lot of, obviously a lot of talk throughout COVID around the just material and trade shortage and that. Do you have like an update you could give us on essentially where yeah. you feel like the industry is at now, if we've come yeah. out the back of the, those sort of shortages or if we're still in the thick of it? Yeah, I think. A really good analogy, which I heard someone use for the troubles we've had as an industry over the past couple of years, is it's like a snake's swallowed a really big mule, and it's <laughs> and it's that you know it's trying to the snake's trying to digest it, and it's slowly passing through the snake. Mm -hmm. um, look, we all know everyone in the industry knows those challenges have been really real around materials price increases, how hard it's been to price jobs, yeah. how much longer construction work's taking. The material piece was really bad, as we all know. However, that's really started to settle down, which is really good. Yep. Um, but where we've still got a massive problems with people mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and especially trades, especially yep. trades. And why this is so important is um, if you don't have enough people um, mm. and skilled people at that, work takes longer, it's more expensive and quality suffers. Yep. So that's why it's so important. And this problem around the shortage of trades is is really not going away anytime soon. In fact, our MBA did a report recently. It's available on our website, Future Proofing Our Workforce, and we're estimating that by 2027, South Australia is going to need an extra 15,000 tradies just to just to meet demand because we've got so much. 2027. Yep. So that's so we've got far away. we've got defence coming up, a lot of residential mm. work. The government's spending big on health infrastructure. We've got the North South Corridor, all these things, which is good. It's mm. good good thing to have a lot of work going on but we need a lot of people to do that so yeah. nba is working closely with the state government on this to er to do everything we can to increase our, our trade base um uh you know because there's two ways to solve this problem mm. we've got to train more people and we've got to look at bringing more people in from interstate or overseas as well they're both part of the problem so mm -hmm. um we need to train more people but that doesn't help you today you need yeah. if you need people today so it's a mix of both of those things yeah and mix, we've got, yeah. Mix of like immigration and then upskilling those people. Yeah. And then also the, the, the kids getting into the construction. So that brings me perfectly to the next point, which is definitely something I, I know this is like a passion project for you. Like, oh, yeah. and it's something you're super passionate about is the Born to Build program. Um, can you touch on that, what it is? And I think if you could also speak to, I think it's all right to speak about it because it's being released as your partnership next year with the SAFL. Yeah. Is it still, I think it's called the SA Amateur Football Al League. Al Adelaide Footy League. Adelaide Footy League. Yeah. Because yeah. that's, that's massive. When I know that you, every time I speak to you, you just pretty much, you won't shut up about it. The, uh, yeah. the Born to Build program. So I know you're super passionate and I wonder if you could touch on it. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for indulging me. I know I'm a bit like a broken record sometimes <laughs> on, on Born to Build, but it is, it's been like, I guess my favorite from the start and I can just see how badly it's needed for the industry. And, mm. uh, so basically, um, one of the main reasons, mate, why we're in this situation where we don't have anywhere near enough trades, and I know your story where you can relate to this mm. really well, is mm. for so many years there was just a big push in schools to get every kid to go to university. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, unfortunately, that uh, was successful. There's nothing wrong with going to university if you're very clear in what you want to do, and that requires a, a uni degree. And in fact, we need uni qualified people for construction as well, of course. Yep. But um, it's not for everyone. Uh, but because everyone was pushed down the uni pathway, um, nowhere near enough trades were, were being developed. Mm-hmm. And look what we've seen in the last few years. The industry got really busy. The tide, you know, came out. We're left standing on a rock, you know. There yep. was nowhere near enough people. So, and Born to Build, by the way, um, it's only been in for just over a year now. Uh, but it's something I've been working on for five years to, to get up and running, mm-hmm. to get the support from the state government to back the program, which they now have now have done obviously which is really good yeah but i just thought the whole thing was stale you know i was just yeah there's been people going into schools and stuff and a little bit of work but you know the days of saying oh little johnny you know you're not doing very well in school maybe you should let a mm. trade like mm. that's just not inspiring at all no, mate. That's, at a, all. that's that's a joke and it, it sells short <laughs> all mm. opportunities in our industry so i thought we need to totally look at this um you know, and give the whole thing a massive refresh because it's not cutting through. And let's face it, we're competitive. We're competing against every other industry for people. Yeah, We're not the only industry with a skill shortage. So I thought, well, what's going to inspire you? Is it going to be, you know, someone, you know, the career counselor at your school or a teacher saying, oh, Johnny, you're not doing very well. Maybe you should learn an apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. Or what if I get in some, you know, good, colourful tradies themselves yeah. to be my field officers? Yep. To come in with not only themselves, but people in the industry who are really successful, who are well known in the community, is running mm. really good businesses, earning a lot of coin, that type of thing, and saying, "Hey, my career is awesome, and my my career started first day on site as an apprentice." Yeah, and then it's it's about flipping the whole mindset from, "Oh, I've got nothing else going on. Maybe I should learn an apprenticeship too." Far, I want to be like this guy. Look at mm. this guy. Look at his. Look at his car. Look at his boat. Like, look mm. at his lifestyle. Like, oh, he, look at all the coin he's earning. Like, he's the man, or they're the woman, yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah, I'm, I want to be like them. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's about totally refreshing that. And then it's also I had to think about, well, where are we going to find good tradies? Yeah. And and let's face it, there's a lot of there's a lot of kids out there who aren't very engaged in school. They don't want to be there. And in that kind of environment, they're they're not really going to be as receptive. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've played a lot of like grassroots amateur sport in my time. So uh, footy, baseball, stuff like that. Mm. And I know that there's a lot of kids in that environment who are coming through who are like 16, 17, 18, 19 especially, who don't want to be in school at all. They're not listening in school. They're not engaged. Mm-hmm. But at their footy club or baseball club or whatever yeah. it is, they're, they're, they're really engaged there. Yep. And that's where if you're going to get them to listen, they're probably going to listen in an environment they, they like being in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought the Born to Build program's got to go through the sporting clubs as well. Yeah. The other one that I was really big on is getting um, uh, a good catchment zone, I think, is Dermot Gyms. Yeah. I was out there visiting a member who was doing the upgrade on Dermot's um, big gym on, on Northeast Road. Mm-hmm. So I went out there to visit them when they were doing the upgrade and I saw who was coming in the door. Or when your light bulb went off. And I was like, "Yeah, this is the target musket right here. Yeah. And again, it's people who are fit, who are motivated, who like reward for effort, Mm -hmm. much like people you find at a footy club or whatever. They're who we want as as good tradies. Yeah. So we've got a partnership with Derrick Gyms, which NBA signed. 
Mm-hmm. So Derrick basically sponsors our apprenticeship program. So uh, our apprentice of the month, host of the month, gets a, a free year's membership at, at Derrick. Nice. <laughs> so it's a good prize to win. Yep. Um, and then, you know, we have pop-up stands at Derrick where our Porterfield field officers go out and, you know, mm. let people know about, hey, like we're hiring and they've got advertising on site, you know, because I would never not have a job for an apprentice. Yeah. I'm always hiring. So. Yeah. If anyone wants to find out more, definitely give Master Builders a call, 8211 mm-hmm. And if you want to find out more about the Born to Build program, the various trades, what a typical day might look like, how much you could get paid, it's uh, www.borntobuild, to the number, yep. borntobuild.com.au. Boom. Yep. And as for the footy league, so, yeah, we, footy we, league. so we've signed a partnership with the Adelaide Footy League. So Born to Build's going to be one of the main naming rights sponsors for three seasons. Uh, so that's the yeah. yeah so it'll be on every Guernsey oh, in the league uh, there's about 22,000 people playing the Adelaide Footy League every weekend wow uh, and then our field officers with the Born to Build program will be able to go out and talk to kids say after a training and say look you know mm. this is yeah, um, the opportunities out there like this is how my day look like you should get involved because the average salary now for someone working construction in South Australia is over $100,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And that comes down to, again, demand and supply. There's nowhere near enough people for the demand. Yep. And so it's a great career to be in and you're going to be in demand for years to come. Yep. Can, before I, I have a question where I want to play devil's advocate a little bit, Yeah. just because it's a question I've always asked myself, but can you just let us quickly know that what is there one like top three or five trades that are the most shortage at the yeah. moment or something like that? Yep. So I'd say bricklaying, yep. con- concrete, uh, carpentry. Carpentry still. Carpentry still bad for how much demand there is, especially with the housing coming up. Mm-hmm. And I'd say plumbing and electrical. Okay. Interesting. But there's, uh, you'd struggle to find a trade where there's not a shortage. Yeah. Yeah. You, you find me a trade where there's not a shortage. They're very few and far between. So mm-hmm. regardless of which trade you're interested in, mm-hmm. you're going to have opportunities. Okay. So on the just playing devil's advocate on the other side of the skill shortage of just you know there's obviously this massive push to and clearly because the government and all these organisations including master builders are spending big coin on trying to entice people into the building industry. Is there a chance, or do you ever worry then that could cause then an oversupply in say ten years time? Is that like a legitimate thing? Like because I start to just wonder like. Is this a cycle? Are we suddenly going to have an oversupply, which then... Could you answer that? Sure. Is that a hard... Well, I think it's a legitimate question to ask because, I mean, I look at my old career, mate, like how how much trouble a lot of media organisations are in these days. Yeah. Now, when I was, you know, when I was getting qualified, there was one course in the state. It was at Uni uh, University of South Australia and they were pumping out too many graduates every year that year, mm. you know, back then um, for how many jobs were actually out there. And uh, now that I think there's a course at Flinders Uni, a media course, there's a course at Adelaide Uni as well. Mm. Meanwhile, the number of jobs in journalism seems to be shrinking every year. So for some industries, it's a really big problem, but people are always going to need building construction. They're always going to need trades. You know, we've done a detailed uh, research piece, like I said, which we estimate by 20, 2027, we're going to need an extra 15,000 trades to meet demand. So... No, I don't think there's any problem uh, of that being a risk in the certainly in the short to medium term. Okay, and how many houses are they trying to build in SA? They've got announced yeah. twenty. What's the number on that? They board? want to build about I think it's about sixteen thousand homes a year, which is sixteen thousand homes. Is, a year. is seriously well, that's under the federal government's mm. target under mm-hmm. the accord, and 
we all know that's a very ambitious target mm. and a big challenge they're going to have is not just uh, demand to meet that, but again, the people to build that many homes in South Australia, as we've seen in the last couple of years, we don't have enough uh, trades in South Australia to meet the demand we saw through COVID. So um, look, it's a very ambitious target. It's mm -hmm. good to have ambitious targets, but yeah, we, we definitely need um, enough trades to be able to get with it a bull's roar of that. And, yeah. And that's why, uh, you know, housing affordability and increasing our skill base are two of our highest priorities at NBA to try and fix. Mm -hmm. Another program you're um, really passionate about. Can we talk about that? Those the, the Rise program yeah. that Master Builders have rolled out. And I, in doing the research for this, I didn't realise this statistic, but tell me if I'm wrong on this, Will, but apparently you're six times more likely to die from suicide than you are from a workplace accident in the building and construction industry. Yeah, and we're a dangerous industry as well, as as you know all too well. Mm. Yeah, that, that's right. You know, one of the things I do love about people in the building and construction industry is that they are quite hardy, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of people who still think that they can't get help uh, and there's no shame in, in getting help if you need the help. And that's what RISE is all about. RISE is a program delivered by master builders through the support of the state government. Um, and there's a website if anyone wants to check out. It's rise.mbasa.com.au. Rise with an S in R-I-S-E. R-I-S-E, yep. yep. So with, with Rise, um, the origins of Rise is I heard Andrew Michaels, who's the uh, small business minister, say about a year ago that they were really concerned about people's mental health coming out of COVID, mm -hmm. particularly, um, you know, small business owners, but also, you know, white-collar people um, in those businesses. Um, and that the government had a bit of money that they were looking to invest in, in helping people come through this mental health crisis out of COVID and constructions in the industry where we do have our challenges. So, mm -hmm. uh, the minister said that were, there was a bit of money there and they were interested to hear in proposals from industry about how people could be assisted. So I came up with the idea of, of RISE, uh, which honors, uh, John Indirizzi, who was a long time and much loved master builders member who unfortunately um, did take his own life um, and it was to honour him and to help people in the industry. And at Master Builders, myself and my team, every day we're speaking to people in the industry who are in distress mm -hmm. and we feel like we um, have been able to identify some of the common things yep. uh, of what causes people a lot of angst. It's things like the financial stress of running a business. It's people thinking they've got no work-life balance. It's you know, troubles with drugs and alcohol or gambling and it's, um, you know, perhaps people in the male-dominated industry as a female, they feel a bit excluded. So we felt like we, we kind of knew what was some... And coming back from serious injury or illness is another big one that, you know, um, yep. I'm very well aware of that affects a lot of people. Yep. Um, so what I wanted, I wanted a program where it wasn't a one-size-fits-all where you kind of, yeah, I've, I've just seen a generic person. I've got... I handpicked some experts who are in, in, in each area that I feel like is a, a trigger point that can mm -hmm. get out of control if you don't try and nip it in the bud as soon as possible. Yep. And I've developed this program where it's completely free for everyone in the industry. Uh, they can book a session online. Whatever their problem is, I've got someone there who can help. And it's about going on, you can go on the website, you can book it online free. It's completely free. And you, it's, yeah, you look at, you think about what issues you're struggling with mm -hmm. and uh, you look at, the various um, coaches I've got and you can just say, okay, I think that person's most relevant for my circumstances and just book it in. Yep. And I highly encourage everyone to take that up. It's, yeah, I've done it. It's really good. It's really, and there's some really good quality people involved. So for example, 
if you're struggling to come back to work after a serious injury or illness, if, mm -hmm. that's, if that's the problem that's causing you a bit of anxiety or angst or stress, you can book in a free session with, with Chris Blows. Now, Chris Blows, for people who don't know him, he's, he's a former Master Builders apprentice and he was the victim of a great white shark attack in Port Lincoln. Mm. He's back on the tools working as a carpenter, uh, even though he's, he's missing his leg. So, so he, he is a, a fantastic guy um, and he's, you know, a really good, you know, if you want mm. to help with a problem, I know if I want help with a problem I've got, I want to speak to someone who I feel like can relate to yeah. my problem and yeah. understands. And so um, I've got really good people in that program who can help a lot of people. They just need to, people in the industry need to know that it's out there and it's a free service and yeah. to take it up. Yeah, that story about Chris, we spoke about it before the podcast kicked off. That's just crazy resilience mm. story, isn't it? Yeah, I've, look, I just really admire Chris's guts. Mm. He, you know, he's, it's an incredible story. The fact that he's still with us today is, is a miracle. I think he, I don't think he had a pulse for 90 minutes, Nine, 90 minutes just unbelievable. and for him to come back from that kind of adversity, he came back to work as a carpenter, put his, put his life back together and, and continue working as a carpenter. He's also, I think, um, a, a national surfing champion in his category. Yeah. I think right. he's off to the world, world surfing championships, I think in California in month or so. Wow. For him to be able to overcome a setback like that, I think mm. it certainly for me it puts problems I might have in perspective. Definitely. And uh, I think he is someone who's very selfless and can help a lot of people who are battling with injury. Yeah, that's just that's unbelievable. And I, I wanted just to quickly touch on where it was like it's – I don't know. I'm, I'm t Just from an outsider's perspective, you seem like maybe your experience in journalism and then working with the – a lot of government people before you came into master builders has been huge because you've got so many things over the line that require, you know, that require government funding. It seems like it's really important for the master builders to have a really good relationship with the government. Is that, is that right? Cause a lot of the things yeah. that you do, you're relying on government funding. A lot of the programs you've got over the line have been backed by the government. So yep. it seems like it's a really important dynamic with the master builders to have a really good relationship with the government. Yeah, and, and any stakeholder that wants to see a strong building construction industry, I want to talk to. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it could be local government, it could be the opposition, it could be a minor party, whoever it is. Like I say to all of them, if you want to see a strong building construction industry, you want a strong South Australian economy, like I want to work with you. Mm -hmm. uh, I think for the background, I think my previous life has really helped me in my current job because I'd interact with all the industry associations. Yeah. And I'd see the ones that did it well, the ones that did it poorly. The ones that did it poorly, you'd, you'd hear from once in a blue moon, you know, um, if they wanted something. The ones who did it best were they'd talk to you every week. They'd be hungry for information. They'd want to know the stats for building approvals, for all that type of stuff. Yeah. And they were, they were really engaged. And where I've been really determined with MBA's advocacy, and I'll take great pride in this because I know if we do a good job here, it makes a heck of a lot of people's lives easier in the industry. We can completely improve the environment you guys do business in mm -hmm. is I've been very determined for master builders to be known as a solutions provider to the government because the government all day, every day, they have people coming to them, whinging, complaining, telling them what a lousy job they're doing. Yeah. Yep. And there's, there's always things that the government could do better, but where I've been, I've been absolutely determined, mate, that in all our interactions with the government and other people, that I come to them with evidence. If there is a problem that's causing the members trouble, I come to them with evidence of that problem and I'll put a solution on the table. Mm -hmm. And 
what I've found with the, uh, you know, with the government is if they can see that there's evidence of a problem and they think I'll put a good solution on the table, they'll consider it. And they think it's, they think it's got, it's valid, then they'll back it. Yep. Yep. So it's, you know, if it's born to build to address the tradie shortage, if it's, you know, uh, getting stamp duty abolished for first home buyers on new that builds. That, and, uh, you know, the government's been straight up and publicly said that that wouldn't have happened without mass builders mm -hmm. lobbying. Like things like that can make a really big difference, yeah. uh, you know, to how, how easy it is to do business because we know it's hard out there. Yeah, definitely. I'd like to know, is there anything issues or I guess like things that you might be looking forward at needing to be fixed that maybe people aren't particularly paying too much attention to or you know that might that we might see in the next three to four years five years sort of time horizon yeah. can you see anything that might be things we need to get on top of we need to start talking about cost of doing business yep power prices you know the industry is a big user of power mm -hmm. and that seems to be going up more and more and more it's a massive overhead for a lot of our members um, obviously the skill shortage isn't going away anytime soon. So we can continue to throw everything at fixing, yeah. at fixing that. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you're, you're right. You've got to look forward, like not only what's the problem today, but what could be a problem five to 10 years or 20 years, if you don't do mm. something about it, housing affordability is one that, you know, you've just got to be red hot on because it seems like for every gain in, in housing affordability, yeah. You get, you know, it's kind of like one step forward, two step back where, you know, we see it with the NCC changes that are proposed at the moment that could pretty much erode the, the, uh, yeah. uh, the, the you know, the savings you're going to get from not paying stamp duty. So mm -hmm. uh, a good way of thinking about it, it's like a Christmas tree, like a lot of people with regulation for housing and the cost of housings, you know, 40% of that is additional taxes, regulations and stuff like that. So it's a big chunk. It? It's a big, just up to 40%. Wow. Yeah. So it's like a Christmas tree where a lot of people think it's the people in government that dream up with these solutions. They'll like they'll look at one thing in isolation and they'll be like, "Oh, that's only five grand, you know, like mm. to a cost of a new build. That's not that big a deal." But it's like a Christmas tree. You keep putting decorations on it. Yeah. You put so many on, eventually the whole thing will topple over. So yeah. Uh, and a lot of these things are well intentioned, but you know, as we know, if you're a young person, it's bloody hard to get into the housing market. So we've got to make it as as easy as possible. One thing we did get the government to do, which was really good, is the largest release of residential land in South Australian mm. history, which mm -hmm. they announced earlier this month. So we, we went to the Premier and the Housing Minister earlier in the year and said, oh, look, if we're going to keep housing affordable, lands that supplies mm. are, uh, can really affect how much people pay for houses. So we need more land. Yep. And here are some good areas that you should look at releasing some land, which, mm -hmm. which they did. Yep. Uh, and what were those areas? Uh, north, south, all over the place. So yep. everything, Hackham's one, Concordia up north, uh, Golden Grove, I think. Is there's, one in, there's one in Golden Grove. Yeah. Yep. 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 So, yeah, I mean, land, as you know, mm. it's a mess. How much land's around? If there's not enough land around, price of land goes through the roof and it is such a big mm. overall, um, you know, factor affecting yeah. the and final price. Yeah. And finally, Will, because I know you're busy, um, from a, just a personal perspective, I just, I'm interested because I, to ask you, like, when you're, what what would be like the legacy you'd like to leave you know as is your in your position as the CEO of the master builders you know 20 years time or whatever it might be when you're not there anymore what is what's really important to you to you know have made better or you know over your time at the master builders that I've been known as a strong advocate for the industry that I've conducted myself with integrity authenticity 
um, that I can look back and think that through my actions, I've left helped make the industry stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, and also that, uh, you know, really I want my kids one day to be proud of what I've been able to do and, you know, that I've made a difference. I'm a father of two young girls, as you know, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, I want them to be, I want them to be proud of me one day. Oh, mate, I think they should be because you, I think I'm pretty biased because, uh, I've looked up to you for a long time and I follow you pretty closely, but you've got a lot of pretty awesome stuff over the, over the line. So thanks for all the work you do and, um, you know, in advocating for the building industry, really appreciate you coming on, Will, and, uh, we'll, you know, link to all the, the, uh, the programs we spoke about in the show notes. So thank you, mate. I really appreciate your time. It's always a pleasure, Matt. And yeah, I do, I do take great pride. Um, I know that I'm privileged to be in the position I am. And, uh, one thing I'm, I'm like a dog with a bone, mate. I'll never stop working my ass off to try and create a stronger building industry to look after our members. You can always count on that. Yep. I think you've shown that. So appreciate it. Good on you, Matt. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in to another Plumify podcast. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, LinkedIn, and all the usual podcast platforms.